Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real crisis or ripped from the headlines controversy. My crisis squad and I hope to guide you toward a solution path. Our suggestions are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Today, I've got Crisis Squad member Steve Silton with me. He's a business and entertainment attorney who helps clients get out or stay out of trouble. We dig into the case file I call Layoff Debacle. In August, Minneapolis Public Schools came under fire for a layoff policy that is race-based. In it, the district says when they must lay off teachers, teachers of color won't go first, even if they are more junior. At least one lawsuit has been filed as of early September. This story made national news, and many are watching what happens next. Steve, the district claims to want to remedy the effects of past discrimination, according to their language in the policy. But this seems completely unconstitutional. This is a situation where they desperately needed to contact you or somebody like you. They needed a communications coach and a communication strategist to better present this policy. While we can all agree that having a more diverse teacher population, particularly when you have schools which are more than 50% people of color, you would want a much more diverse teacher pool. That is a laudable goal. However, the way that they messaged this and laid out this plan not only is potentially unconstitutional, and it might have been set up to essentially test the constitutionality of it, but is, on its face, it seems unfair. And they could have done a much better job in communicating it. So the lawsuit that came out claims the provision violates the state of Minnesota's equal protection guarantee, which is Minnesota's version of the U.S. Constitution's racial discrimination clause in the 14th Amendment. So here's my thing. As you know, as many of our listeners know, I'm a brown woman. I don't want anyone discriminated against, black, brown, native, but white people either. So the school district says this policy that they've sort of lived by, last hired, first fired, that's an approach a lot of school districts take, and that is just based on tenure. Now, that has some of its own issues, but when you base it on color, we really get into a murky area And I think it really takes us back. You make an excellent point. The whole concept of tenure being paramount over everything else, including the performance at the schools, has been something that conservatives in particular have attacked time and time again, and which the Minnesota Teachers Union has stood behind as the way to hire and fire. And it's probably antiquated, right? The reality is tenure should not be the sole qualification. And the communication was very clear. They were going to fire white teachers first. And the irony is... There's not enough teachers in Minnesota. This is a hypothetical policy. It's not being put into practice as we speak. You create a political firestorm where one didn't need to be. Well, here's a policy that didn't even need to be made, at least right now. So according to Care 11 TV, in Minnesota schools, 5.6% of the licensed teachers are teachers of color, whereas 30%, this is the whole state of Minnesota, are students of color. So obviously those numbers don't match up, but we're also a state where, hey, look, a lot of our background is in Scandinavians, Irish people, Germans. 
Mormons, you're not going to get a lot of, quote-unquote, people of color. You're not going to match those numbers in even one or two generations. So for the school district to say, let's remedy, quote, the cost and the continuous effects of past discrimination by the district, that's a little outrageous. And in fact, some constitutional scholars are saying you need actual legal claims of past discrimination, not just that you know you did that. Those statistics aren't very, very problematic. The fact that you have less than 5% teachers of color where you have a school district, which is, I believe, north of 65% students of color. Minneapolis itself. Minneapolis itself is, is not good in the sense that you have... Uh, students are not having role models that look like them. And there's been a lot of educational studies that are very clear that it's very helpful for student minority students to have minority teachers. And that is a laudable goal. And frankly, if you stated that goal in a policy and said you're going to work to have more diverse teacher class, it would be very hard to attack. This is a situation where a lack of thoughtful communication has potentially snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Right. I mean, there was no strategy. There was no forethought in this. Let me just give you myself as an example. Now, I'm a lot older than some of these students we're talking about. But much younger than me. (laughs) You're very kind. But, you know, I grew up in Edina, Minnesota, a suburb of Minneapolis, a very white community. I had amazing teachers in public schools, K through 12. I do not remember having a teacher of color. I'd have to really think about it. But my main classroom teacher, definitely K through six, was a white man or woman. Did that affect my ability to learn? I am brown. What I needed was thoughtful teachers that knew what the hell they were doing. That's what I needed. And I still think that's what kids need today. Do I like the goal of mirroring in the classroom, or at least close to it, of more people of color? Yes, because today is a different day from when I was in K through 6 or K through 12. We have teachers out there or potential teachers out there. Why isn't Minneapolis district, as well as other parts of the state and the country, working to get more people in high school interested in going into teaching careers. That's an excellent point. you got to be a little careful of comparing a Dinah school district, which historically has been one of the great school districts in the entire country, with the Minneapolis school district, which has, I think, over 37% of their students come from very economically depressed backgrounds. So it's a bit of a difficult situation in comparing that. However, we definitely need to do what you were saying, which is encourage diverse candidates of applying for teaching jobs. And right now, I believe there are a number of openings already in the Minneapolis school district. So to essentially pick a fight where none is there, right? Or to create a fight, which this Minneapolis doesn't need more fights right now. It's going through a reckoning of itself for the last two, three years. Without a doubt. And one of my mentors once told me, he said, listen, if you're going to pick a fight, you're going to get one. And in this case, they picked a fight. And they picked a fight on dubious legal grounds, which may or may not be constitutional and probably is going to work its way through the court district, potentially all the way up to at least a federal district, potentially even the Supreme Court. I don't know why the Minneapolis school district would want to pick that fight. If they did it intentionally, I think it was bad policy. If they didn't do it intentionally, I would say it's uh, malpractice. So either way, they're making a mistake here. Minneapolis should not be on the national news for anything other than good things, at least for a while. Right. And, you know, 
know, I'm a Minneapolis taxpayer. I don't want to foot the bill for the school district to be fighting this fight, as you said, a fight that they didn't even need to create. Let's talk about carve-outs for a minute. I want your legal opinion. Can a carve-out ever be fair? So in this case, the carve-out, you let the person of color teacher stay, and regardless of seniority, the white teacher would be fired if this policy were to go into effect. Yeah, they can be. I mean, this goes back to a U.S. Supreme Court case involving the University of Michigan, which said that hiring based on racial grounds, particularly when that races uh, historically oppressed groups, is legal and constitutional under the 14th Amendment. So in that respect, carve-outs would be entire, and entirely And that's a hiring legal. situation. That is a hiring situation. That's like situation. bringing someone in. But now this is kicking someone out. So, you know, here you've got whomever, I don't care, gender, color, whatever. You're on edge because of a policy like this when you've been a good teacher in that district, you have a family yourself, all of that. You could be a mentor to up-and-coming teachers of all stripes. The reality is, under the Supreme Court precedent, this policy, ironically, is probably constitutional. It doesn't make it right in the sense that it brings it home in in a very vulnerable situation. Whenever you're talking about layoffs, whenever you're talking about someone involuntarily losing their jobs, that's a very vulnerable situation that many people can relate to. And expressing a desire to have a more diverse teaching body and we're going to fire the white teachers first is horrific messaging. Right. There's no crisis. But not even messaging, Steve. That's unconstitutional. That is a race based delineation. And in law school, like and the Constitution I've known since I was a kid, that is just not legal. Well, you can have race based delineations as long as the race is a historically oppressed group that they're banking on a lot here. We're going to agree that it looks horrible. The way it was presented makes the Minneapolis school district look bad. This is an unforced error and it could have been messaged incredibly better. The goal could have been put out front that, listen, we need a more diverse teaching pool. We are working as hard as we can to recruit these teachers. But part of the problem might be, and, and I'm just guessing here, and this, again, might have been a motivation behind the policy, is that most of the diverse teachers have been hired recently. This puts the Teacher Federation and the Minneapolis Educational Association, their union, in a difficult right, space because it, it makes the whole concept of seniority being the number one goal antithetical to another goal, which would be a diverse teaching pool. Right. So I think we can agree that the pool needs to be bigger, wider, more diverse, more interesting across all types of descriptions. And why don't we put some heads together? There's got to be brain power in the Minneapolis public school system among parents, teachers, administrators, and fix a policy that hasn't been working rather than, like you said, create something that didn't even need to be created. Yeah, this was a crisis that didn't need to be a crisis. And by doing that, they've essentially worked against their underlying goals. And you got to be careful when you're making any policy, that the messaging is consistent with your underlying goals and that you're moving towards what you want. As I always say, whenever anybody comes into my office, what do you want? Don't tell me your legal position. Don't tell me what you're entitled to. Tell me what you want. And again, my guess is the Minneapolis Teacher Federation will say, we want a more diverse teaching pool. That is laudable. How you get there, though, has to be strategic. And it has to be equitable and fair. And legal. And legal, for sure. Thanks to Crisis Squad member Steve Silton. Today's Crisis Brief brought to you by Spoke 612 Productions. Number one, if you pick a fight, you'll get one. Don't pick a fight where you really don't need to. Number two, first ask what you really want, then create a strategy to get there. Number three, once you have a clear strategy, make sure your messaging matches. 
Bespoke 612 Productions takes your ideas and brings them to life. Linda, Sarah, and Matt are committed to excellence and inclusivity. As a WeBank certified women-owned production company, Spoke 612 inspires awareness and delivers impact through storytelling. When you put your project in their hands, Spoke 612 draws on their own talents and experience to ensure they tell the best possible version of your story. Visit their portfolio at Spoke612.com. Thank you to my podcast co-producer, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music. Want us to weigh in on your crisis? Email me, Rashini at RashiniGroup.com. R-O-S-H-I-N-I at RashiniGroup.com. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.